Comic Book Tales is an immersive comic book experience for the new or lapsed comic book fan. I take a closer look at the comics that shaped my childhood and influenced my adulthood. Comic books are an amazing entry into another world and even provide the pictures to complete the fantasy. Join me for a new Comic Book Tales adventure. Hello and welcome to Comic Book Tales, Episode 2, I Am Iron Man. Today we're going to discuss Iron Man, the character Iron Man, from the movies, from the comics, where to start, as we did in the first episode. Does the comic book character match up with the movie character that most people know of? Uh, and we're going to delve into that. So let's get started. Some of the things I had uh, requested last time from our first episode was give a little bit more about the history of the character, where they first pop up, uh, some references to that, and then give me where you can start reading about them and get a better picture and kind of flesh out the character as a, as a starting point. Uh, so this week we're going to start with Iron Man. Iron Man was first came in on the scene in 1963 in Tales of Suspense number 39. It's created by Stan Lee, Larry Lieber, Don Heck, and Jack Kirby. Now, if you read anything about comic books, you're going to know, especially the Marvel Universe, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby are the two names you really need to know from the early start of Marvel Comics. Stan would write the story, and Jack would basically do all the art. Uh, Larry Lieber, in a sense, and a little bit of trivia, is Stan Lee's younger brother. Stan Lee changed his name because he didn't want to be associated with comic books because he thought he could be a real author someday. Uh, so his actual name is Stanley Lieber, but he did change it to Stan Lee for the purpose of the comics. So again, 1963 comes out, does not have his own book to start, just like with Spider-Man. Uh, kind of a catch-all book of tales of suspense. Um, gets, a, gets a start. Iron Man t- kicked off his, his actual series, in Iron, Invincible Iron Man number one, in 1968. So it was another five years before he had his actual series of his own. Spider-Man was much faster because it was much better draw from that. And this is something I want to point out to a lot of people. Um, based on the movie, there's an expectation that maybe Iron Man is a top-tier character in the Marvel Universe. And I'll get to that later in the podcast about why I think he's more important than he's ever given credit for. But a lot of characters in comics can't carry their own books, or not very well. Uh, every, every publishing house has one or two main characters who can, who, individual characters, who can carry uh, a book. Uh, Superman is one. Uh, Batman is another. Batman can actually carry multiple books just because of sales. People like Batman. Uh, Spider-Man was the same way in the Marvel Universe. Iron Man, not quite that level. It, it's harder, as we talked about with villains with Spider-Man, individual villains, it's, it's, less, it's less involved. It's less, um, it, it's just not as, as deep, it's more of a top-level criminal of the week type of thing in the individual books. I think that makes them feel less important because when you have these big team books, you have a multitude of earth-shattering issues Whereas in the individual books, it's it's more run of the mill, it's it's day to day things, and it's not always as earth shattering as I said. So when we get into some team stuff, you're going to see that a little bit more. But on the individual side, Iron Man wasn't wasn't a huge draw at least early on, uh, and up till 1968 when he first got his first book of his own. So we talk about Iron Man, and you noticed I haven't said Tony Stark. Because Tony Stark was not the only person to wear the Iron Man armor. Tony Stark originated the armor, created the armor, 
But James Rhodes in Rhodes in issue 169, which came out in April of 1983, did don the armor when Tony had some personal issues that kept him from using the armor. Uh, and he, it was eventually with Tony Stark's blessing that that happened. Uh, and eventually, James Rhodes, if you've watched the movies or read the comic books, uh, got his own armor called War Machine, which was less tech, still techy, but less tech and more uh, flying tank, <laughs> to, for, for lack of a better term. So there have been two main people who've worn the Iron Man armor. Different people have put on parts at different times as needed, but really it's Tony Stark and James Rhodes to a secondary extent. And actually James Rhodes wore the armor for two straight years uh, in the comics, so it was a significant amount of time when he was Iron Man, and it was not known to the, the rest of the universe that that was not Tony Stark. Um, a jumping off point, where do we start? Where do we start with Iron Man? You know, I, uh, 1963, again, you can go back to those early, early days with Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, and the artwork will pretty much hold up. The uh, story itself, again, a little hokey, not quite as hokey as Spider-Man, but still in that early 60s, if you went back and watched the TV show from the early 60s, you'd have the same issues. It's just not it's not modern enough. It's not gritty enough. It's it's more bubblegum and it just pop. It it's just not doesn't work for a lot of people. So my recommendation is a much further down the road in uh, Invincible Iron Man issue 225 through 231, uh, often called the Stark Wars or the Armor Wars. And I've put a uh, link in here for the Amazon trade paperback if you'd like to purchase that uh, and kind of get started with it. It's a series where you kind of get to see Iron Man in all his tech glory, in his multiple outfits, really going after those people who have stolen his technology. And I think that encapsulates Iron Man to a T. There's other series, there's other things that go on uh, in different groupings of this comic, but I think that's a good place to start and go, yeah, I get that. I understand what that, what that means. I get to feel about the character a little bit more. Uh, artwork is okay. In that period of time, it was the late 80s, but it's something you definitely need to read. Top Villain. Now, this is not something I went over with Spider-Man, but I think Top Villain uh, is something we're going to conclude from here on out. And the Top Villain for Iron Man, to me, is the Mandarin. And I don't mean the Mandarin from Iron Man 3. I don't mean some charlatan who's uh, a terrorist. I mean the guy who's got ten rings, who has power like crazy and Iron Man has to come up with something unique and individual every time to beat this guy he's evil he he is a bad dude uh, and not to be portrayed in the way in the comics he was portrayed as a uh, yellow Chinese man that's not that's not the portion you want to focus on it's the fact that he is evil and he is trying to push his agenda and Iron Man is there to stop him you know got a lot of power it's not some run-of-the-mill this is a, a bigger overarching villain for iron man and he, it's always a challenge to to uh defeat him which he usually does the Mandarin first appeared in tales of suspense number 50 in february of 1964 written by stan lee and don heck so that's a later down the road um about 11 issues after they introduced iron man originally so let's get into the movies did the movies get it right? Was was Iron Man, f played by Robert Downey Jr., truly the Iron Man we all know and love? The answer, as in most cases, is yes and no. 
The Iron Man from the historical origin was an arms dealer working in Vietnam. Okay, so the story takes place in Vietnam, um, whereas the Iron Man movie takes place in Afghanistan. They just updated the war. Uh, so I don't have, I don't quibble with that. Was the story behind it the same? Yeah, he had to cobble together armor from pieces, and his partner uh, that helped him build it does die in the process, but he helps him get out. All that's that's factual from the comic side of things. And honestly, I think Robert Downey Jr. was a great choice for Iron Man. He he embodies what we thought of it from Tony Stark. If you read the, if you read the comics. He's Tony Stark. He looks like him. He walks like him. He acts like him. He is Tony Stark. So it's a very good choice on the part of the Marvel executives to choose him as their uh, lead character for Iron Man. Some of the things that weren't quite the same, Obadiah Stane was not his partner uh, as he was in the first movie. Uh, Second movie with Whiplash, not an Eastern European thug. Uh, The third one with... uh, Again, the Mandarin, not even remotely close to what the Mandarin was. So, yes, there's similarities. Pepper Potts was his secretary, not his love interest. You know, just things that you, you really can't... They, they, took, they took poetic license to make it interesting for the, for the movies, but they aren't exactly the same. But again, as we said before, you've got to appreciate the movies for what they are. And the fact that they bring in additional people to want to read the comic books and expand that universe, that's a very good thing. Are they exactly the same? No. Is it like watch, reading the comics up on the screen? No, it's not. But you know what? It's better than not having those up on the screen. Because honestly, it's nice to see the, the special effects that go with Iron Man. And Iron Man could not have been made a whole lot sooner than it was simply because of the tech involved. It just it would have not looked good. Clunky, and it was not done. It, there was no previous incarnation uh, that just didn't work. It, it just didn't happen um, from from a live action standpoint. There have been comic books or um, cartoons that were put out, average at best. They they were okay, but they weren't awesome. Uh, I think the Marvel universe was still trying to find its way in, into uh, uh, Saturday morning cartoons, and it really. They're available on Netflix. Not awesome. There was something from the 60s where it was more of a stop action. They take the comic panels and put music to them. But they did that for Captain America, for the Hulk, uh, for Thor. Not great, but it it got something out there to talk about. Uh, So why do I like him? Why do I like Iron Man? And why you should like Iron Man? And, And the first thing you have to lead off with is the tech. The guy's got tech. If you like tech... If you like technology, you like cool gadgets, this is your guy. This is the there is no one else who's got the coolest gadgets. There's other people in the Marvel universe who have tech, but it's not cool gadgets, it's technical scientific stuff. This is tech. Who has not wanted to build themselves a suit of armor and fly around at night? Who has not wanted to build rocket powered boots? You know, that these are these are cool things. This is every little boy's dream is to have an Iron Man suit. It is just the coolest thing. So, as I said in my in the show notes, everything tech-related is cool and everyone wishes they had this suit. I do. If you don't, why are you watching Iron Man? Why are you listening to this podcast? Because you obviously want to know more about this, and it's cool. Now, the thing about Iron Man, or Tony Stark, or James Rhodes, whoever wears it, it's the, iron, it's the suit that really makes them super. Um, physically... They're no more powerful than any other man or woman 
uh, on the street. So it's really the suit that gives them additional abilities well beyond the normal. The, the strength, the, the ability to fly, the, the uh, Jarvis computer, which again was not part of the original Iron Man armor that was put in um, for the movie specifically. I should have touched on that. Jarvis was the butler in Avengers Mansion. He was not the AI for Iron Man's armor. So just so you know that. Um, but the thing about Tony Stark is he's lovable when he's doing good, but he's self-destructive because he's got a huge ego. And Robert Downey Jr. portrays this quite well. Uh, the boozing, womanizing, egomaniac. Um, he always believes there's a scientific solution to everything he does. He did not. He does not accept that there's anything other than a scientific way to do things. And you see some of that conflict uh, in the Avengers. And I'm sure you're going to see it in the upcoming Avengers 2, Age of Ultron. There's going to be conflict with Iron Man because of his rigid belief that tech is the only way to go. Science is the only thing that matters. Not faith, not magic, not anything else that might exist in the universe. Simply science. Okay, and that's that's a something. It's a key point for him. He's a futurist, which means he he self-described futurist, meaning he doesn't just see technology. He sees where technology can take society, and he believes his job and his role is to get people there. So it's something different than somebody who says I like tech. It's somebody saying I like tech, and here's what I'm going to do with it, and here's what I'm going to change society, and I'm going to expand upon it in ways you never even thought possible. Uh, Elon Musk is often quoted as uh, the real-life Tony Stark. Well, Tony Stark existed long before Elon Musk was on the scene, so that's that's an irrelevant throwaway comment. But he's got some of the same tendencies. He wants to build spaceships to the, to Mars. He wants to build a hyperloop uh, between San Francisco and Los Angeles. He he's building an electric car and Tesla. So Elon Musk has a lot of those qualities of Anthony Stark, but he's not Anthony Stark. Um, to, uh, Iron Man, or as Tony Stark, is the most pragmatic of the Avengers, and he always wants to dominate the room. When he walks in, he feels, and usually rightly so, he's the smartest man in the room. But that rubs people the wrong way, as you might imagine. It's not something that everybody cozies up to. Says, oh, great, you're the smartest guy here? Great, let's, let's follow everything you have to say because you can't be wrong. Tony doesn't believe he's wrong. He simply believes he hasn't figured out the right solution yet, so therefore you have to just let him work through the process. Uh, because of his domineering personality in the Avengers comic books, he and, along with Captain America, have served most often as chairman of the Avengers. And that's something we'll get into when we get to the Avengers uh, podcast. But he's a leader. He's a future leader. He, he's the guy who says, I know where to go, follow me. Now, the problem is, not everybody buys it because he doesn't. he's not a natural leader. He's an egotistical leader. So he has his failings. So I like him because he's flawed, not because he's perfect. Because as you're going to find in the Marvel Universe, nobody is perfect. They are all flawed. Okay? We'll see that further as we go along. Even some of the people you think are the Boy Scouts are flawed. So this was about Iron Man today. But I'd like to hear if there's other people you'd like to, to talk about. Who, would else, who else would you like to know, learn more about, highly relate to the comics, whether it's the movies or not, just in the comics? Maybe you want to learn more about the Serpent Society or the Sinister Six uh, or the Masters of Evil. None of those have had movies, but there's still certain things that tie into the rest of the Marvel Universe. And I'd certainly like to be able to bring that to you. If you like this episode, you can check us out on iTunes, rate us. 
uh, review if you like. Uh, if there's comments you'd like to send, send it to info at hannatreeproductions.com, and we can get back to you with that. You can follow us on Twitter at hannatreeprod. Check out the show notes. Subscribe. Share with your friends. If you got people who in your life who are wondering about comics and the movies and it's, it's caused interest, send them a podcast. It's not a long podcast. It's very short and concise, but we get to get you the answers and get you on your way. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for joining me. This has been Chad. Good night.